Fintech Chatter. Brought to you by Tier 1 People, leaders in Fintech Executive Search. Welcome to Fintech Chatter Bite Size. I'm your host, Dexter Cousins. If you're new to the show, make sure to follow us and leave a review. And if you're coming back, thanks so much for your support. It really does mean a lot to us. Well, as we approach the three-year anniversary of the podcast, you're actually listening to our 200th show. It dawned on me how many great leaders I've interviewed over the past two and a bit years. Our first episode with Anthony Nance of Wiser was only 16 minutes long and recorded on a smartphone. But as the show has progressed, the interviews have got longer. An average interview now is closer to 40 minutes. So I thought it might be a good idea to provide a bite-sized podcast where I pick out the finest insights from each interview and share them with you. I'm also in the process of trawling through the archives to find pearls of wisdom from past shows that I can share with you in a bite-sized format. They'll cover everything from leadership, careers, hiring, product market fit, scaling, raising capital, anything that I think might be of value to you, I'll cut out and trim down so you can have it in a bite-sized format. I'm going to start the concept off with a preview of our next leadership interview with James Fuller, the CEO and co-founder of Henry. James started Henry with his wife, Claire, from the humble beginnings of an Excel spreadsheet. Here's James sharing a great lesson in pricing a SaaS product and focusing on the customer. What did you kind of take from that lesson that then helped you get to the next stage? Because I would assume that when you start to get responses for, to the Twitter ad, it was then, oh, how do we do this? Oh my God, we've got this. Like, <laughs> I remember, uh, and I can't remember whether we talked about this in the last podcast, but it's one of my, it's one of my favorite stories. So Claire and I, uh, we're married, by the way. I don't know whether I, I went through that in our previous story. So my co-founder and I are married. Um, we, we were on holiday in... How do you uh, get away with calling your wife your co-founder? <laughs> <laughs> I think she prefers co-founder to wife at this thing. Um, yeah, so we, we were on holiday uh, with our... Well, it was just our one daughter at the time. And shortly before we went on holiday, this is back in the real bootstrapping days where everything was done manually. I had that, uh, that, that classic startup idea around our pricing. And I said, oh, what we need, what we need is three different pricing models. You know, you've got like the, the entry level and the medium and then the extremely expensive, but the middle one's the most popular. I was like, this is great price anchoring. This is what all the big boys do. You have three packages and this one's the most popular. And so I created, we didn't have a whole lot of functionality to put into an expensive price model. So I just made stuff up. And I thought, well, it's just, you know, this just because no one's going to take it. It was like we were going to charge people like 6% of their income or something like that. You know, your usual plan cost was, well, it was 3%. We now charge one. So that's how much people were paying. But I put together this 6% plan thinking this is going to be so expensive that no one's ever going to touch it. And I think it included things like invoice factoring. And I don't know, we'll come around your house and deliver your money personally. I don't know what it was. But we were out way on holiday and someone signed up for the 6% plan. And I turned around to Claire and I said, oh, crap. And I said, what are we going to do now? Like, we don't have any of this functionality. The Twitter ad has responded in someone saying, yes, I want all of those things. And, and she said, well, you're going to have to tell them that we don't have that plan. I thought, well, this is awkward. So 
they'd obviously signed up with their phone number. So I, I gave the guy a call. We were away somewhere and I gave him a call and I basically downsold him onto the 3% plan to say, no, you don't want to, you don't want the 6% plan. That's not for you or whatever. So basically kind of talked myself out of a sale, but it was one of those classic moments when it was then that we realized that nobody needs three pricing plans. You know, what our customers want is actually just simplicity. Yeah. Take it away, do it for me. Um, and so we, we, we ended up at, at the time we decided on a 3% pricing model. We've now gone down to 1%. So we literally slashed mm-hmm. our prices back in 2018. Again, which much to the surprise of our customers who said, you know, I've never been with a service that has literally just dropped their price by so much. But I think the thing that we learned back to your question is number one, listen to the customers, but also you've got to have that integrity. You've yeah. got to actually yeah. be honest with the customers. And, and when we dropped our prices from 3% to 1%, we contacted our customers and said, it didn't feel right we weren't providing enough of a service to mm. justify 3%. Yeah. And so we said, okay, it's 1% and we're gonna cap it every year. So now our cap is $1,500 a year. So that's all your accounting, all of your payments, all of your software, unlimited support all rolled mm. in. And it felt so much nicer to be able to offer something at a price point that felt fair. Yeah. And you know, we, we didn't wanna be one of those businesses where you're kind of seeing how much you can get away with. And so you learn by basically downselling your customers mm. when you've overextended. It's um, um, kudos as well to the, the strength of the, the product and the problem that you're solving. You know, the, 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 this game that I'm in, recruitment, right? I, I often have had so many debates around, hey, wh- why doesn't the industry shift to more of a kind of sports or talent management model where mm. the talent pays part of their mm. salary, right? And the reality is nobody's paying giving away any of their salary, right? Even if you find them a job, then they're not going to, you know, the expectation is that, that yeah, you know, the employer will, will bear that cost. So the fact that you were able to, you know, with an unproven product, be able to charge 3% of somebody's income. Oh, it just shows how uh, bad the problem was, right? Yeah. And so this is years of sort of systematic, uh, you know, difficulty that the sole traders have had. Mm-hmm. And, and sole traders were just like Claire and I, when we started, they were, you know, they were expected to, you know, basically do their own books. You know, I remember we used to have a, our old school accountant who's uh, is a good friend of mine, but you know, that thing where you go, you become self-employed and you, you wonder which one of your friends is an accountant. And then you ask around and you go, yeah, I thought so. And you, uh, so we registered with him, lovely guy, but, there was that moment where at the end of the financial year, he would literally print off the, the reporting software that we were using, the accounting software. He would print it off and hand it to me and he'd go, does this look right to you? Can you initial each page and give it back? And I would say, well, hang on a minute, isn't that your job? And he said, well, no, all year you've been reconciling the transactions, you've loaded in your expenses. I just need you to you know, confirm that this is all correct. And I sat there and I was like, I'm literally staring at like a wadge of 25, 30 pages going, I'm about to outlay, I think it was probably about $1,500 that mm. I was going to pay the guy for the year. I've done all the work. I've reconciled all the transactions. He's come to me and asking for my signature and whether I think it's correct. And I just thought, what am I paying for? Yeah. You know? And that was, that was the kind of genesis for Henry is actually, how do we change the nature of the accounting service that sole traders get so that it actually benefits them? And it's not about you know, how much can we gouge this sole trader for because yeah. we can get away with it. It's actually going, well, how do we put in place fair pricing that gives an opportunity for anyone to earn independently? And, um, you know, that's, it's always an interesting thing when you come at an industry from the outside, like Claire and I did, you know, we're not trained accountants, mm. but we just saw basically the people being ripped off. And that's where we're at today is that, you know, lots of people are being ripped yeah. off. And 
I you know, talked to a hairdresser the other day that was being charged $5,000 for their annual income tax return. Wow. But it's, it's the Wild West. And, yeah. and, you know, what we bring is a bunch of standardization, huge value add on top of what you're getting else, elsewhere. So actually, you know, we really stand by the pricing model and the service model because mm. it's, it's genuinely helping people. Well, thanks for listening. Make sure to follow us so you can access the full interview with James. And please leave us a review. It really helps us in promoting the show to other fintech fans. You can connect with me, Dexter Cousins, on LinkedIn and Twitter. And if you've got any feedback or you want to find out about how to appear on the show, please reach out to joanne at tier1people.com. Until the next episode, stay safe. 